a powerful message in that song of following God. Not just doing something and asking God to follow us or to bless what we're doing, but following God. If God goes into the community, then follow Him into the community and into the schools. I know all of you can remember the days where churches were packed, where the pews were packed. Not just this church, but churches all over the place. And, and things have changed. And so we need to go after people out in the, in the world. And so where God goes, we follow Him. And, and knowing that if God calls us out there, then He'll protect us and even as the Word says, He'll give us the right words to say. We don't have to stumble over what we're going to say, but um, our, our calling is to follow God. And so that kind of goes right along with our message today, which is called, It's Go Time. Matthew 28, verse 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the edge, end of the age. Amen. This is what is known as, as you know, it's called the Great Commission, where God commissions His followers to go out into the world, to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth to start in their local community, then to start to spread out wherever God leads, we just have to be willing to go. We take His power and His message and His hope, and we just God just needs us to go. The Great Commission was not just for Jesus' followers on that mountaintop. It was for all followers of Jesus. It's what we are all to be doing until Jesus' return. Yet even though Jesus told all of us to go, many have stopped. Many expect only the ministers or only the evangelists. Many are stuck in fear. Well, I don't know what to say and what if they don't like the message and what if they get offended? Many are stuck in doubt. Many are questioning the faith right now as culture changes and culture starts to accept sin and culture starts to affirm sin Many people are thinking, well, maybe the Bible is wrong, or maybe it is outdated. I've heard all that junk. That's all lies. And so that's kept a lot of people from going out there and sharing hope to a world that desperately needs hope. The most important command that Jesus has given us is to go and share His light and His truth into a world of darkness. Therefore, if anything has stopped us from making this our number one priority in life, is to share that message with others. Then it behooves us to make that right so we can all fulfill the Great Commission and we can all expand the kingdom of God and be ready when Jesus returns. People, some people fear. What's going to happen when Jesus returns? Will I be ready? Well, I'll tell you what, if you're doing the last thing He told us to do and going out and sharing the gospel, then you will be ready. If you're talking with people, if He's always on your mind and in your heart and entering into conversations and Jesus is the answer. I know Bob Tackett says, he just goes places and says, Jesus is the answer. Right? Simple. Right? But it, get, it gets your foot. You don't got to get into the whole message and Jesus is the answer. And then there are people that ask about it. But we, but we need to be sowing seeds and we need to be getting Jesus into conversations. You don't have to go give a sermon on the mountain, gather a thousand people to you on the mountain. Unless God calls you. But we need to go. He told us to go into all the world. But in order to go forward, we need to look back. 
Because this wasn't the first time that God ordered His people to go forth. So I want to take a look at some history. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying this, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Here we see God's first command to go. To go take the land, the promised land. After God had delivered the Israelites from from Pharaoh and the Egyptians, He commissioned Moses to lead them to the promised land. Now Moses was able to see the promised land from afar as he looked out over the plains, but he was not able to lead his people into it himself. This task was given to Joshua. After 40 years of wandering through the desert and wavering between joy and despair, between faith and sin, between obedience and disobedience, the children of Israel finally came to the entrance of the promised land. In a nutshell, their journey is not like our journeys, our our lives, following the ups and the downs, following the mountaintop experiences and the low valleys of discouragement, all the time battling against the temptations to wander from the path to gratify the desires of our flesh. Do not for one minute sit, sit back and judge the Israelites as being horrible people. They're a representation of us. But I want to tell you this. God has a promised land for us. In fact, He has given us a much greater promised land. By confessing our sins and turning to Christ, we acknowledge that we are in need of a Savior. And eternity in the presence of our Lord is our promised land. It's what awaits for all believers who have put their faith into Jesus Christ and have accepted His sacrifice on our behalf as a payment or atonement for our sins. But while we are given this promise of eternity, we are not immediately beamed up there. Contrary to popular belief, there's no one up there that says, beam me up, Scotty. Beam me into the Holy Land. I'm saved. No. We still walk on this world. We're still part of this difficult time down here. So God says, I have this promise laid up for you, but you've got to walk it out. You need to continue to follow me. And even more so, I want you to bring people with you. There's a lot of room. Bring as many people with you as you can. That's why we're called to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. We have to follow Jesus here on earth in the meantime and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us obedience through our own wilderness experiences. It's often in our wilderness trials where we're tempted to believe wrong thoughts or make assumptions and form perspectives that prevent us from continuing onward into the promised land. How many people know how long the, how long the Israelites wandered in the desert? Forty years. How many people know on, if it was a, a direct route how long it would have taken them? Eleven days. 
they wandered for 40 years for an 11-day journey. Thus, if we expect to fulfill our calling to share the Gospel and follow Jesus all the way into our promised land, there is much that we can learn by studying the plight of the Israelites on their quest into Canaan. The first paradigm shift that we all need to make is to know that we are passing through this world. It is not our home. Amen? We are not just to take up residence and say, well, I'm going to live it up. YOLO. You know what YOLO means? You only live once. That's the big saying. YOLO. I'm going to take it all in. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven where there is no sin, where there is no dying, there is no tears. Hallelujah. We are passing through. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2 says this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. Many times we rate our success or our failure or our achievements based on earthly goals. There's going to be times that we succeed here and there's going to be a lot of times we fail. There's going to be times when we're rich and the time we're poor. There's going to be times when we're in need and we're at times when we're content. But God says that it's something we're passing through. Set your mind on the things above. We were just talking in our Bible study this morning. It's very easy to imagine the streets of gold and the castles and the jewels and the, all that stuff. But imagine being in a place where there is no sin. When, you, when, when The Bible says that we come to God in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to become like Him. Which means He's going to rip out all that sinful nature in all of us. Imagine being in a place where no one is trying to jockeying with pride or judgment or comparing or envy or complaining. There's none of that there. Can you even imagine that? We, we had a hard time even imagining that. But that's what heaven is like. That is our home. Set our mind on the things above. We're commanded to keep our focus heavenward, for that is our destination. And while we are on this earth, let us remember that we are merely passing through. And as we pass through, we must successfully navigate the wilderness mentalities that seek to convince us to stop moving forward. Even though Jesus told us to go, we go through difficult wilderness times and we get a mentality that causes us to stop. What are these mentalities or false beliefs? Each mentality is actually your flesh's voice, your sinful nature talking to you, trying to take control of your life. Now, they're going to seem extreme, but this is the root behind what happens to all of us, the things that try to convince us to stop going forward. Sometimes we give in to these thoughts at a certain level, and other times we don't give in to them, or we don't give them any attention. But regardless, they speak to all of us at various times. Let me tell you that wilderness mentality number one. My future is based on my past and my present. That's a wilderness mentality that gets you to stop. As the Israelites journeyed through the desert, they greatly struggled persevering through trials that were meant to test their faith and draw them closer to God. They often complained when there wasn't a lot of food or shelter from the sun. In fact, they even wished, as you, as you know the story, they even wished and said, 
Gosh, I wish we were back in bondage in Egypt. I wish we were still slaves again. At least we had some meals, and at least we had a roof over our head. I wish we were back in bondage to the Egyptians rather than coming out here to die. They, they didn't have the ability to persevere because they thought they, they were more stuck on their past. They thought it was easier to go back to their past than to trust God by faith for their future. When they came to a trial or a hard place in life, they stopped following the commands of God. One of the commands of God is that they were to regularly and routinely offer Him a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? It means that when we're discouraged, when we're beat down, when we're tired, when we're tempted to despair, this is the time that we sacrifice our feelings and begin to praise God. I was talking with our worship team this past week as we are preparing for some our worship night, and I was telling them the importance of that first song, that upbeat song, that praise song. It's usually where we offer sacrifice of prayer, which means, oh, I'm not a morning person. I had a hard time rolling out of bed. Traffic was horrible on the way here. I don't want to be here, but I'm here anyways. Now, whether you say that or not, you know your flesh is saying that to you. Just stay in bed. It's cold outside. And so we have to just sacrifice those feelings and, and choose to praise God regardless. As we continue to praise Him out loud with our voices, especially when we don't feel like it, especially when there's turmoil or things that we're facing that are difficult or things that our, our flesh wants to complain about or get pity from others, when we choose to praise God, God receives that sacrifice. And he beats back the temptation of us to, where we want to wander in doubt. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. It's easy to thank God when things are going well. It's easy to thank God when you see a blessing. But think about the power of spiritual warfare. When things are going bad and the enemy thinks he has you in his corner and the enemy says, watch this person crumble now. I have him backed up now. They have no faith now. And instead you say, praise God that God is on the throne. Thank you that Jesus has saved me. Thank you that I'm passing through and this is not my home. My home is heavenward. There's powerful things that happen even in the spiritual realm. Breaking uh, spiritual breakthroughs when we offer a sacrifice of praise, if we could just grasp this one truth of this teaching today, it would revolutionize our faith walk where your body and your mind tells you to start complaining or to call someone up or to share a complaint with someone or to vent to someone or to grumble. Instead, go right to God and say, God, thank you. I mean, we know it's there. God knows that that anger, that frustration is there. But when we offer a sacrifice to praise, it cements our, our place with Him even more. When things don't go our way, we are commanded to offer, to sacrifice our feelings of turning inward to complain and doubt and sacrifice the temptation outward to complain to others to seek their pity and instead turn heavenward and praise God in spite of our challenges. He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Amen? And when the enemy reminds you of your past sins, well, what are you doing praising God? You know your past. You're a sinner. 
when he tries to pin that on you and forces you to try to look at your past or, or strongholds or things that you've been dealing with and you know you're trying to break through, but you're still dealing with a particular sin or stronghold, when he tries to remind you of your weaknesses, then stand on this promise that I'm going to share next, this promise from God, until your spirit empowers you to believe it for yourself. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, then you are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Not someday, but you are right now by the power and grace of God and by the blood of Jesus. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So when you're tempted to believe or be downtrodden or walking in shame or condemnation or guilt, you just take this verse. Thank you, God, that your word says that because I am in Christ, I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That is a powerful promise. And you might not believe it at first. That's okay. Because you're battling against your flesh, but you continue to stand on it and pray it. Eventually, your spirit will get hold of it, and you'll start to believe it. It'll pull you out of depression and oppression and guilt and shame to begin following God. This is how we get unstuck from the places in our past and even in our present that seek to derail our journey forward because God told us to go. We have to let God's Word and His promise define us, not our feelings, not our deceiving thoughts, not our logic. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God says about you, that you are new? And all things have been made new, or you're going to believe your own thoughts. I don't know. I think I might want to believe the one who created the entire universe and all the planets and stars versus me. We need to choose to stand on His Word of what God has already spoken over us. Our future home determines our future. Not my past, not my present. My future home determines my future. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus and continuing following Him onward and share His news with, with others. Well, the second wilderness mentality is this. Somebody needs to do it for me. I don't want to take responsibility. That's what your flesh tries to get you to do. Whether you give in to it or not, that's what it tries to do. Listen, God said to Joshua, Arise and go. Moses had done everything for them to that point. Moses had helped them... you know. In, in, in Egypt with each of the plagues and gave them instructions. Moses, the one that went up on the mountain and, and got the Ten Commandments. Moses, the one that helped them part the Red Seas. He, he had done everything for them. They were not accustomed to doing things on their own, but then Moses died. A lot of people want God to do great things for them, but they don't want the responsibility of putting themselves in a place for God to work through them and to bring the blessings. I want to... Share this thought, it just came to my mind. There was a time when, many years ago, when I was driving home with some friends up north, it was a Sunday morning, and I was passing uh, Elder uh, Bible Baptist Church. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. I've never been it, but I was driving home from up north, and, uh, and I felt God say, I want you to go into that church. And, I'm, and I had a conversation with God. And I said, God, I was just up with some friends um, 
in the woods, we stayed in a tent, and I smelled like bug spray and dirt, and I had a hat on my head. My hair was looked like a rooster, you know, sticking up. And uh, God said, I want you to go in that church. And I drove past it. And God said, turn around and go back to that church. Now, it, was, it wasn't an audible voice, but I could, I could hear that prompting in my heart. And I'm like, God, I, can I do it some other day? No, go now. Okay. And I had like, you know, dirt and stuff all of me. And I went in that church, and it was during a church service. I started to talk to people in the church, and they were all scared. And I, I said, what happened? They said, our pastor just had a heart attack this week. And uh, they said, we didn't know what to do. We don't. We have no one. To, we don't know what to do. What's going to happen? Is he going to die? We have no one to do. And so, you know, let's pray. And I was, I was probably, I don't know, maybe about five years into my Christian walk. And uh, so I'm sitting down, and one of the deacons got up, and starts sharing things, and and God said, I want you to stand up and speak to the people in this church. That's what he told me, in the middle of their service. Okay. And uh, God, I'm not doing that. These guys are going to kill me. And uh, and the guy that was up there speaking said, I'll tell you what, if someone ever came to my house and harmed my daughter, I'd take my shotgun and, 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 and take him out. And and uh, that was exactly And God said, I want you to stand up and, and speak to them. And I said, God, this guy's going to take out a shotgun and shoot me. I can't do that. And he would not, re- I would not give up. I kept making it harder and harder. And finally, I've never done this before. But God called me there for that moment, and so I got up in the middle of the church while the guy was speaking. I said, God has a word for this church. And they all looked at me. I said, listen, God's going to take care of you. He's going to see you through. Yes, your pastor is, is, is off right now, but he's in God's hand, and he wants the rest of you to rise up and to come together and continue to do the same thing that you have been doing. God will see you through if you are all faithful. And one person said, they all, it was all silent. And one person said, Amen. Then I sat down and they continued the rest of the service. And I was never shot. They didn't kick me out of the church. But then I moved on my way. And, I, and it was just, I'm, I was just being obedient to God. I didn't know what, but, I, but I, I felt that God had a message and they were so stuck in fear. I've never done that since. Don't think I'm the crazy guy that shows up in churches and does that stuff. But God wanted to get a message to his people to continue on and to have faith. And they did continue on. Every time I pass by, that church is still going, and I don't know what happens. I don't know if they're still talking about that crazy guy that showed up with rooster hair. But I, I do know that God is faithful, and He will bring us through if we trust Him. But the, the, the fact is that some people don't want the responsibility of doing what it takes to be used by God. I can tell you my flesh didn't want it. I argued with God. I don't know if any of you have ever argued with God, but you don't win when you argue with God. He continues to persist and says, are you willing to be, take responsibility for accomplishing my task through you? We cannot move forward towards the promised land as long as someone else is doing everything for us. If someone else prays and someone else studies the Bible for us and someone else encourages us. These things will all continue for those who need it, but it does not take responsibility away from each of us to seek God on our own. To arise means to get up, a spiritual awakening. It's a call for all of us to continue heavenward, not fall into indifference and apathy or forgetfulness. We are not to be passive nor procrastinate or be lazy and lukewarm. The Israelites procrastinated for years in the wilderness. 
doing what they felt like doing. They refused to take responsibility for following God's will into the promised land. The truth is that one of the biggest reasons why we stay in our own wildernesses and we stay in our own trials is because we insist on doing our will and not God's will. Too often people want to make a plan and then ask God to bless their plan. But that's not how it works. When God told me recently to go into the schools, I went and followed him. It wasn't my idea to follow him. And God's opening doors that I never could have done on my own. God has a plan. His plan for each of us often is to go through trials and through tribulations and through injustice. And quite often these things don't make sense to us, but God has already told us they wouldn't make sense. Isaiah 8 and 9. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, and understand even with the greatest telescope you cannot see the heavens. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God tells us that we can't possibly understand everything he does. But we are to trust that the king of the universe has our best interests in mind. And he will see us through to the promised land if we keep our trust in him. His will is the only will for our lives. We must trust him. Listen, other people's lives and their eternity depends on us trusting God and his will so that we can follow the Great Commission and on our way to the promised land, bring as many other people with us as we can. Wilderness Mentality 3. This is what our flesh says. Life needs to be easy. I cannot take it if things are too hard. One of the biggest excuses that people cite that is that following the Lord is too hard. Too hard being a Christian. We say it all the time. Being a Christian is not for sissies. Right? I mean, I know it's politically incorrect to say that, but it's, it's, it's hard. But it's the only answer. As long as we believe it's too hard, it will always be too hard. The truth is that God led the Israelites the hard way on purpose because He knows what we need to prepare us. Listen to this in Exodus thirteen seventeen. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the pe- perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. How many know that we grow the most during the hard times and not the easy times? How many know that if you're working out and you want to develop muscles, you have to get resistance and, 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 and push hard against it. We develop our, mus- our, our faith muscles by going through difficult times. Faith only grows when we, when we use it on something. The Israelites had just spent all these years in bondage. They were not ready for war. Thus God had to build their faith so that their natural response would be to stand in faith and believe God instead of believing what their eyes and their ears and their fears told them. The truth is that when you have no one to trust but God, 
then you really get close to Him. That's why God allows us and actually ordains the trials through which we walk so that we will get even closer to Him. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. God led the Israelites in hard times to test them, to see if they would keep following Him through when things got tough. Listen, He does the same for us. He ordains our trials. He leads us through the wilderness to see whether we will cling to Him and continue to follow Him unconditionally, to see whether we will complain or choose to offer up a sacrifice of praise. It's during these tough seasons, these wilderness seasons in our lives, that God tests our focus. In other words, God does not want us to just seek His hand. That means if I continue to ask that God give me things, give me blessings, there's nothing wrong with that. When we're doing that, we're seeking God's hand and God's saying, it is in these tough times where I already know what you need. Are you willing to seek my face? Are you willing to seek to be in my presence? He wants us to seek his face. Most people do not understand this truth about God. Oswald Chambers once said, the meaning of prayer is that we get hold of God, not his answers. So many people will feel like their prayers are, are, are they're, they're struggling because their God's not answering their prayers and God's saying, I just want you to get hold of me. I want you to be content in my presence. I already know what you need, but are you content just being in my presence? As we mature in our faith, we seek His presence much more than specific requests. And there's nothing wrong with specific requests. But God's heart is, I want you to know me. I want you to spend time in my presence. The Bible says that in His presence, there is a fullness of joy. There is peace in His presence. The truth is that God has called all of us to go. So how do we do that? Well, we take a lesson from David. Psalm 16, one of my favorite psalms. Verse 8 says this, I have set the Lord always before me. Because He's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. You see, we don't just go blindly into the world. We choose to set the Lord before us. If I'm going into a conflict, if I'm going into the schools, I'm going to I'm going to choose to set the Lord here and I'm going to walk through that conflict to the Lord. If I'm going into a debate or an opportunity, I'm going to set the Lord here and I'm going to continue to have my focus not on the conflict or the fight or the debate or discussion. I'm going to walk to God because I've set Him before me and I'm going to walk through that. It's the same thing Jesus did. Jesus did not go to the cross. He set the Lord before Him and He went through the cross for the joy that laid up before Him. We need to choose like David to set the Lord before us. Now we're not just going to go, I don't want to go evangelize. I don't know what to say. I don't, what if this person rejects me? No, I'm going to set the Lord forward and I'm going to walk through that and I believe that God's going to give me what to say and I'm going to follow the Lord. You're not just going into an unknown territory. You're going into a place where God has anointed your path to spread His message. Knowing that He is at the beginning and end of every day, 
that he is at the beginning and end of every challenge, the beginning and end of every opportunity, we simply walk to him. We set the Lord before us. When we get stuck in our tracks due to fear and doubt and anger or confusion, it's because we come to a conflict and we stop because we're thinking we're going to the conflict. And God's saying, I want you to go through. Set me up beyond that. David learned to set the Lord always before him. In other words, he learned to set the Lord before him and then walk through that, whatever it is, to come to God. When we are obedient to do the same thing and we keep our proper focus for our lives, God will see us through. Nobody will be able to move us off the path that leads to His presence. If God has called us to go forward, He will be with us every step of the way. If He has ordained our steps, He will equip us along the way. Many times when God says to do something, God says, I have faith in you, and we say we don't. What happens is we judge ourselves where we are now. And God says, I know that when, I, when you step up, I'm going to equip you along the way. So I see you being as successful as what you are equipped with along the way. And you don't have it right now until you step up. God has called us to go with His power. But first we have to know that He indeed has sent us forth and has given us authority by the blood of Jesus and the power in His name to take this world for Christ. In commissioning all of us to go forward, He sends us forth with His power and His authority. We must silence the fear that prevents us from talking to others about Jesus. Again, if you're going to listen to the fear in your mind, or are you going to listen to the King of Kings who has commanded us to go? One of my favorite verses, Deuteronomy 28.7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you in seven ways. Where does it say that the enemy is defeated? Before your face. That means that the enemy of discouragement and of fear and of doubt is not defeating you while you're sitting at home waiting for that to subside. It's, it, it's, the enemy is not defeated while you make excuses to evangelize. But when you step out in faith and begin speaking the truth of the word, what you speak is before your face, and that's where the enemy is defeated, through your witness. We will not see victory until we enter the battle. But rest assured, the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not ours to fight. God's just looking for us to be willing to go out. We need to be obedient to share His message with a lost and dying world that needs Him more than ever before. Listen, the enemy will come against you one way. We think our enemy is people. That's not true. It says the enemy will come at you one way. That one way is in your mind. Satan will try to discourage you. He'll try to tell you you have no talent and you have no gift or no anointing. He'll try to tell you that you don't know what to say. He'll try to break you down. He'll try to tell you that you are worthless, that you have no power, that you have no influence, and that you should just keep quiet. I know you've heard all these voices before. That's the enemy. That's the one way he attacks is in our mind. But also notice that the Scripture declares that the enemy will flee before you seven ways. In the Bible, seven is a word of completion. Listen, 
People may not always receive the message that we share, but they are not our enemy. Our enemy is fear. This Scripture says it will flee. Our enemy is doubt. It will flee. Our enemy is discouragement. It will flee. They all will flee before us if we are obedient to share Jesus with this world. It's one of the strongest promises of God. If we are obedient to share the Gospel, wherever we go, all of us, moving as one, it's go time. This is the message that Joshua embraced to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Listen, just as he was with Moses and Joshua, he will be with us. He will be with us wherever we go. He has given us authority over fear and over doubt and over apathy and over temptation. We just have to believe him at his word and go spreading the gospel at every turn. Jesus is the answer. Verse 4, From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, Toward the going down the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Promises from God. Again, let us understand the full promise being shared. Yes, there will be people who disagree with us. Yes, there will be people who won't receive the message of Christ. But there will be people who will will be convicted by God's Word. There will be people who refuse to trust in Jesus, but there will be others that do. But regardless of what they do or how they respond, they are not our enemies. The only enemies we have are the strongholds in our minds and our souls that seek to prevent us from going forward. If we stand on the truth of God's Word, nothing will be able to stand before us and block our paths forward. Remember, it's not the amount of faith that you have that keeps you on the path. It is the one in whom you place your faith. God is faithful to complete the work that He began in each one of us. He's faithful to see us through as long as we trust Him and are obedient to His command to go. Joshua 1.6 You know these verses, but this is in context. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance of the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong and courageous that you may observe to do all that the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. We are not to turn to the left or the right. We don't need someone else's approval regardless of what your flesh tells you. We don't need to make others happy because here's the truth, you can't. We are called by God to go into the world and share the message of Jesus, to share the promise of forgiveness and salvation and hope. And God promises us that when we do those things, then we shall prosper wherever we go. We have to believe it. We don't saunter or tiptoe out in fear. We proudly go as the Holy Spirit leads us forth. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law 
This word shall not depart from your mouth. It's not to be put down on Sunday evening and picked up on Sunday morning. It's not to depart from our mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. And the way that we must prepare is to have His Word in our mouths and in our minds and in our hearts. We are to meditate on it day and night and then God assures us we have success. This is because it is the Word that leads the way. His power is in His Word. Our debates should not be our our opinions or our logic, but rather the truth of His Word. You have to believe that there is a life-altering, earth-shaking power in His Word or else you'll never use it. Hebrews 1.3 says it this way, speaking of Jesus, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. That's not a misprint. People think, well, what he means by the power of his word. No, he says by the word of his power. His word is the power. If you truly believe that when you spoke his word, things on earth would change and strongholds would be broken and temptations would be overcome. If you truly believe the power of it, you would use his word a lot more in conversations. It's a lot stronger than our own opinion or our logic. His word holds things in place. Once we know this, we will not shy away from witnessing to others. We will know that His Word brings conviction and causes hearts to change and causes people to be open to salvation. With His Word, He has sent us forth into the world. He has commanded all of us to go. Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Brothers and sisters, it is go time. Jesus told us to continue to go until He comes back again. People's very lives and their eternity are at stake. Let's be strong and courageous and not be afraid nor be dismayed. Let's believe God at His Word. He will be with us wherever we go. Let us go into the world and make disciples of all the nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all things that He has commanded us. And lo, like He says, He is always with us, even to the end of the age. Listen, this is God's world. He created it. This is our Father's world. He's just sending us into it. He said, I'm going to be with you all the way. Are you willing to go and follow Him and bring others with you? Fill this church up. Fill other churches up. Fill change neighborhoods and change communities by the power of Jesus Christ. It's go time. He's commanded us to go. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the power of Your Word. We thank You for calling us to this task. Help us to understand that this is Your world, that You have authority and power, and You reign over this. Use us, God, as ambassadors of Christ in this kingdom as we reflect on the words of this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.